I am unashamed. What about you? Welcome back to Unashamed. Uh, we got Zach back in the house with us. Zach, things going well here. in North Carolina. I they hope. are. I got the. It's a about the third. What third or fourth day of fall? Leaves are changing. Uh-huh. Weather's crisp. I noticed Jace is on his phone. Well, yeah, here's what happened. <laughs> something. Something's <laughs> ten happened. seconds before we started. <laughs> a guy that I don't usually text with. I met him at a poker game. We won't get into that. And uh, he's uh, he's hilarious to play with, by the way. When when he wants to, does rave, he have a farm animal name? Because most of the people you play poker with are named like fox and yeah, pig and you know, all these. Boy. I'm not sure what boy. his nickname is, but uh, he has a number of of slogans that that we use. Uh, because he's just funny. He's a he's a great white perch fisherman. So that's why we kind of hit it off. We talk well, about call him call him perch, perch. Uh, yeah. Well, my favorite. He does two things that I really love when we play cards. One is whenever he raises, he always he'll take whatever the bet is and he's fixed to put it in the pot, and then he'll 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 hesitate and he'll look around and he'll go raise. so it doesn't seem very funny but he does it every time he he's he's sending you a message like i am really happy about (laughs) i I don't know why that's funny but uh he said i know why they break out in fights (laughs) yeah yeah that's the trash talking so look, you're up against. I haven't seen this behavior. <laughs> I haven't seen this guy in six months, but uh, Cy knows him, and and we play together. And he always takes up for Cy when Cy brings up his latest Black Panther sighting. And so I went to him while we were, you know, taking a break or whatever outside. I was like, I said, quit taking up for Cy because he. You know, he you're just creating a monster with these black panthers. And so he's like, Hey, there are cougars and panthers roaming around in Louisiana. I said, You believe that? And so he just sent me three pictures uh, ten seconds before we started. This last one, I'll let you look at it. And he said they've got multiple cats and dogs missing in the neighborhood. That's what the text says. Multiple cats and dogs missing in the neighborhood. And there's three Uh-oh. pictures of a critter entering mm. the woods. What do Death you say, Phil? What is it? It's not a black panther, but it is a big mountain lion. But he's not in the mountain, so. Yep. So anyway, I had to. And that's that's in Calhoun. Wow! I but you know that they've I've said never them. seen one of those so fat. He he. Well, I, that's I, the, that's the missing of the cats and dogs yeah. in mm. the neighborhood. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> looking at it, that's what happens. Dogs you, and you, cats missing in neighborhood, and he has three pictures. That's why this guy's funny. <laughs> Dad, you've heard of the phrase "fat cat" before. Yeah. The uh, the euphemism "fat cat." Now you know where that comes from. Well, you know, in size podcast on the Duck Call Room, they actually have a 
Panther sighting section to their podcast. And Cy is actually selling T-shirts with the face (laughs) of of a black jaguar. And it says, I believe. There's a lot of mountain lions in, in Texas, <laughs> South Texas out there in that, that rocky country. Well, Phil, this is right up the road. And this guy yeah. just sent me that picture and you saw it. So what are your conclusions of that? My conclusion is I spent a lot of time in the woods in my almost 80 years here now. A lot of time. I don't have a, a sighting. Some of y'all have, but, but I've seen one. I've seen things that I said, boy, what was that? Yeah. Well, you're in the minority. I mean, look, I don't believe they're out there. And I actually took you to where I saw a cat cross the road that was a big cat. But I said, I wasn't sure what it was, but it was a big cat. And we, we, I showed you the paw print. Yep. Are you I, saying you don't believe in a mountain lion or you don't believe in a black panther? I don't believe in the Black Panther. I do believe oh, yeah. there's mountain lions there is mountain a little lions. further west, and evidently there's one slightly. And west. And every once in a while, right? They can, they can, because their their grounds can spread out pretty far. Jay said so it looked like a large cat. We we went over there to verify that and found the tracks where he was. Yeah, and unlike it was, it was other stories, Phil. Unlike other other stories, I did produce a track. That's on right. my story, because we right. found a track that was very large. What do you guys think about Bigfoot? I've been a big brother to Bigfoot my whole life. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, his name is Burley, and he lives in Grand Junction, Colorado. No, I mean, one time we were hunting with uh, Willie, and he was we were looking for a down duck. In a certain way, his hands, Willie's hands separated. Because he, he was, you know, Willie's a slow walker. I just thought, I see where somebody got the idea there's a Bigfoot. Because <laughs> that's what he yeah. looked like in that moment. And so after I saw that, I realized that there's a lot of people that look like Bigfoot. Look like Bigfoot. But you made the point, Jay, what size doing with the shirts and all that. So people make sort of, there's always like a cottage industry that will rise up around some kind of weird sighting. Cause I went up to Oklahoma and to some lake we were camping at and there's these, they, I mean, their whole thing, they got restaurants, they got everything's Bigfoot, Sasquatch everywhere. And so they built a whole thing. So apparently somebody claims to have seen something up there at that lake. And so where's this at? Uh, it's what some, maybe, I don't know, some lake in Oklahoma. I can't remember the name of it. Well, they actually had a show, you know, I've never watched it cause they're just too embarrassed. To even try it but they had a show that evidently went multiple seasons and the name of it was finding bigfoot yeah and i'm actually i'm actually working on a bigfoot concept right now <laughs> i really am see what happens you, you, you see what happens when you get into the get movie into world well, let's Jason. get this you, right you don't like having <laughs> spirit-filled zombies on a positive but no, you'll entertain yeah. the thought of going and finding bigfoot well what, uh, see here's here's the situation i was on the set of the blind and this lady she pulls up in a a, a pickup truck with it had like a topper on the back her and her husband they drove all the way from New Hampshire and found out where we were filming, which I was a little nervous at first, but she's like, Hey, I, I, I've been trying to get a hold of you. I have to tell you this story. 
And I don't know why. I said, I'm going to listen. I did. And so she's like, my dad was from Texarkana, Arkansas, which is about where we were filming at. We were filming. The Blind was filmed right south of Texarkana in Louisiana. And uh, which, which, by the way, is where it took place. It's where Phil, my mom, and all them grew up. And uh, she said, my dad did a movie in, I want to say, 1972. I saw this movie. The Legend of Boggy Creek? Yep. You saw, saw it? I saw that movie. So she is like this cult classic for Bigfoot, and it inspired a lot of movies like the Blair Witch Project and all that. So she had spent the last, I don't know, 12 years like trying to find, like get to hunt down the rights to this thing. All these bootleg copies are out there. No one had an original copy. And so she spent 12 years of her life trying to get the rights to the film get all the bootleg stuff off the internet. I mean, she was just so passionate about it. I was like, man, I, I just, I don't know. A cat, the, that story is what captivated me. But we, the more we got into it. Uh, it did actually- create. So the reason I saw the movie, I was, I was captivated by this thought because mom is from Ida, which is just south of where you guys were. And dad, yeah. you remember Falks, Arkansas, which is just yep. across the line. Yep. And so that's where all this supposedly happened. You know, there was this man, beast, monster, and they call it Boggy Creek uh, Monster. They call it the Falks Monster. So when I was a kid, because we would go and spend a couple of weeks every summer in Ida, I mean, I was right there. So I was like looking wow. around every corner. You know, that's back when it was hot and heavy as like a thing. Yeah. And so, so I saw the movie when it came out because I was all things. But I, I thought someone had come out. And Dad, I don't know if you remember this or not, that someone was actually because they had these tracks and that they had proved it was a hoax because someone was like putting shotgun holes on their toes and going out. So it looked like a part foot, part claw. And I thought I remembered that that had kind of been debunked, but I don't, you know, who knows? I mean, I just remember as a kid, I was like infatuated by this monster that was living close to where I was staying every summer. So I was, I was petrified, but yeah, it's an interesting thing because it's built up this whole kind of cult following that i guess is still going on i didn't realize oh, it's it. huge it yeah. is yeah so we uh we'll see what happens but but yes it's funny all took place right there around where the blind was filmed which yep. i thought was interesting well according to this there was 11 seasons to finding bigfoot but did the, they find him did well, it look, did it end I'll, with the pre the the main situation Animal Planet recently aired the finale of its popular series, Finding Bigfoot, which lasted 11 seasons, despite never making good on the promise of its title. (laughs) Never found it. So when something is lost and is found, you have joy. So what happens when you never find what you're looking for? You you wind up you look you wind up playing as your closing song. You play that tune from U two. I, I still, still haven't found haven't what found. I'm looking for. <laughs> what I've been. But for. let me make let me draw a parallel. Jace Duck Dynasty was on for eleven seasons, and we were neither Duck nor Dynasty. So there you go. Well, I, you I could, mean, Jace, have y'all located the treasure yet? I mean, have you located the yeah, what about that? Show, what about Duck, Duck Family Duck Treasure? Family Treasure has it? Have you delivered on the promise of the of the title? Well, let me tell you what I did do. And this is uh, 
<laughs> this is a spoiler alert, and I'll probably wind up in court over what I'm fixed to say, but I don't Uh-oh. care. I've been pushed further than I want to be pushed. You've been challenged, Jason. Mm-hmm. But we have had a, a, a couple of finds, one being finding a tooth off an animal that's depending on your definition of how long it took for creation. But so either thousands of years, if you're a Phil, how long are you a 7,000 year man? Or He's 10, about a 6,000 year 6, man. 6,000 year man. So we found a tooth off a creature thousands of years old. Or if you're a billion year person, I would say millions of years old. So that happened. And then I found a a bear tooth off a black bear that was 350 years old. How do you know how old it was? That's why you got to watch the show. (laughs) (laughs) But I have that I will not reveal. But I know for a fact that it was 350 to 367 years old. And I found it. A bear tooth. Jace just provided the best tease for Duck Family Treasure we've had so far. Let's, he did. Uh, I mean, I'm, I I want to watch the episode. It's very impressive. Let's uh, let's take our first break. So, kind of living in uh, divided times, as we know. Uh, there's been uh, a lot going on in our country. You kind of got the woke crowd versus the more conservative crowd, which, of course, we fit into that. We're trying to bring those woke folks along. Uh, one of our sponsors is a group called Patriot Mobile. So for 10 years, Patriot Mobile has been America's only Christian wireless provider. And when I say the only one, trust me, they're the only one. They're the only ones bold enough to, to make that claim. Uh, they offer dependable nationwide coverage, giving you the ability to access all three major networks, uh, which are not uh, Christian and conservative. Uh, this means you get the same coverage you've been accustomed to without having to fund woke and leftist things that you don't want to. Uh, When you switch to Patriot Mobile, you're sending the message that you support free speech, religious freedom, sanctity of life, Second Amendment, as well as our military and veterans and first responders. Uh, They have a 100% U.S.-based customer service team that makes your switching very easy. You get to keep your number, keep your phone, uh, you get to upgrade, and their team will help you find the best plan that fits your needs. Just go to PatriotMobile.com slash Phil, or you can call them at 972-PATRIOT. You're going to get free activation when you use the offer code Phil. So join me. Make the switch today. PatriotMobile.com slash Phil. That's PatriotMobile.com slash Phil or call them at 972-PATRIOT. So just That's good, Jeff. You might That's already marketing. stay in your lane, bro. Leave reality <laughs> TV to me. You keep doing movies. <laughs> Just keep that in mind. If you found a dinosaur tooth, I will say you didn't use the word dinosaur. He didn't use that word. No, I will. I will say that you delivered on on the title. (laughs) If you have in fact located a dinosaur tooth, well, check the mail. It's happening. (laughs) It's it's one of the few times in my life that I was speechless. 
Well, that's worth watching an episode. Before, that was probably right he probably just gave you all the season finale. The whole thing is, I mean, you you probably will be sued for this. <laughs> now, that may that's he may have just given us the series finale. Yeah, exactly. I haven't given that's you the series finale because we got four more episodes to film. So that's YTBD. <laughs> okay, <laughs> but oh, they're good. I told you it's the best show nobody's ever seen. It's an excellent show. I I enjoy it. It's a uh, it's definitely I, I like the. All the stuff y'all do and the whole thing, I'm intrigued by it. I'm a fan, so you need to check it out. So you want to get to the book of Luke? Was that our, we started, we started well, out, what, do we have a cold open and here we are. <laughs> well, I said, I said, do y'all have a story? 20 minutes. <laughs> 20 minutes later. Have, no, it's about 15 minutes. Check 15 minutes. But 15. Uh, the segue, because when Zach started talking about finding Bigfoot and all this kind of stuff, I thought we were looking for, uh, or spending 12 years, whatever it was. I thought we were going to do 101 ways to waste your life, you know. <laughs> but evidently, we're we're going to go to who's better, which is Jesus. Luke yeah, 16. which is good. Good segue. Uh, yeah, we're in. So we're in Luke 16. Um, we introduced the last uh, podcast. Well, I guess we did a little more than introduce it. Uh, we read the first 13 verses of Luke 16. And it was kind of a, a unique uh, parable that uh, you don't see anywhere. Else. I didn't say this last time, Jace, but it's also unique to Luke. And, and the reason that matters is Luke always has a little bit different perspective than the other gospel writers because he was a Gentile and he was a physician. And so he just, the, you can just tell from reading this book and we've been studying it for a while now that he just has a little different slant. And so, the things he puts in his gospel, there's he has the most unique parables of the other three uh, in terms of how he uses them. So I think, you know, he obviously did a lot of research and had a lot of conversations about things Jesus said. And so he's going to bring out some things in an interesting way. And so this parable, what makes it unique is it's Jesus uses it. And in his parable, there are some, there is a dishonest slash shrewd, um, depending on your wording you use, a uh, person that lazy, you know, lazy. Uh, yeah, exactly. I mean, he had a lot of, he got fired, the, as Jay said, the apprentice. Uh, so you had a lot of elements here that you wouldn't normally see. And, and so the controversy about it is Jesus seems to be complimenting the way the man did business. And so that bothers a lot of people, especially religious people. But yeah, so, as we discussed last time, it's, he had a purpose in what he was saying. Yeah, so the take was the reason Jesus was complimenting him is he was just saying even the world recognizes survival and and yeah. what's the next chapter? What 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 about the future? This was a future looking situation. This guy's losing right. his job. He's been a terrible employee. He's dishonest. But he come up with a plan that he would cut all these debts in half, which I'm not sure what the master really thought about that plan because he's only getting half his money back. But he recognized the shrewdness of the manager who then was going to use those relationships. His new best friends are all the people that he gave this discount to. It's a it's a yeah. fire sale. He, he basically invented, uh, what do they call it when there were clearance sales? Yeah. So that's where you get that. 
just take what you can get. And then he would have relationships to start a new venture moving forward. And so then Jesus applies that to why wouldn't we as people of the light, as he referred us to, even though we're not very shrewd in the business world, which I made a point to say, reason we're not as shrewd as worldly people is we usually don't lie, cheat, and steal to get what we want. And I'm constantly bashing heads with people in the industries that I work with because they don't play by Christian rules. They'll just lie and cheat. It's hard to deal with people like that. So Jesus' application was, why wouldn't you use this earthly success as money, possessions, relationships, friends, for heavenly business? Why wouldn't you use every resource you have? I mean, use it all up to get people to heaven, relationships that matter. So here was my, I didn't read these on the last podcast, but, you know, being a preacher, I tend to lump things together in threes. So I have three principles from the story. One, kingdom followers should be eager, just as eager and ingenious and relentless in their pursuit of kingdom advancement as the world is for money, possessions, and self-interest. That was one thing. There was a link. He said, you should at least be as eager as they are about kingdom pursuits. Number two, how much we are able to handle in terms of little determines how much we are handle uh, in terms of much. So he makes that point. And he's, and it sounds like he's making the point that both in kingdom living here as well as the next life. And then the last one, which is very clear in the text, uh, and that's in verse uh, 13, you can't fully and devotedly serve God and money. And I think money in this context is a broader, you could broaden that out to worldly gain, I would say. I mean, he, he focuses on money here, no doubt about it, but it could be anything that's worldly gain, I would call it. So that's that's kind of this inevitable clash that's going to come at some point when you're a kingdom person between what's worldly and then what you know to be is what's godly and what's kingdom. There's always a clash at some point in our life that we're going to face, right? Where we have to make a decision. Do I want to pursue that or do I want to say, no, I'm going to stay here and do something from the spiritual perspective instead of the worldly. Yeah. So that's the three, three points that I got. Well, I usually don't uh, share, you know, I don't want to share this to act like I'm bragging or whatever, but uh, I just think, I thought about this in the last podcast, and I didn't, but I think I'll share it because everybody's familiar with Larry Bowles because he's our he's our only uh, what do you call him, Al? Uh, he's a contributor. He's a podcast contributor. Yeah, I don't know what that means. That doesn't mean he gives money. No, I mean he contributes his skills and his Bible knowledge, content, his, his content. So, That's right. Yeah, I knew you were going to say that, but I was I was tricking. <laughs> so look. <laughs> you tricked me, Jay. Well, because when you say he's a podcast contributor, you're thinking, oh, well, how much does he give? No, he's contributing <laughs> things besides money. That's but right. I we just wanted to, to share the first time I met Larry Bowles. You, you probably are unaware of this, Al. The first time I, I met Larry Bowles. So I'm sitting uh, at Phil and Kay. I always call it Phil and Kay's church. I'm not sure why. But uh so I'm there, and he was a guest speaker because they've always worked with him through the years as a, like a missionary. You know, he's a fireman yeah. from Oklahoma. And this is kind of before he's his role got elevated. And so they, 
And and look, I've had a terrible attitude sometimes when they have missionaries get up because I'm like, oh, here we go, you know. <laughs> and uh, now if they preach a sermon, I love it. But if it's just trying to get it, money, well, yeah, trying to get money, I thought, mm, yeah, what do we what do we need money for here today? And I'm repenting of it. You know, I shouldn't have that attitude. But old Larry got up there and shared Jesus in a powerful way, and uh, and and mentioned what his ministry did. So I leaned over to Missy, and he didn't ask for a dime. They just said, "Here's a guy we're supporting," you know, and he he preached. So I said, uh, "You got your checkbook there, babe?" And she said, "You know." like typically anyone would, said, well, I don't think they're taking up contributions. I said, oh, I know. But I, <laughs> I want to I meet that guy because I really am inspired in what they're doing. With Because I liked how his mind thought. He thought, here's a place, Athens, Greece. They have a refugee crisis. He's coming in there and helping these people from all over the world and then sharing Jesus with them. Oh, I mean, and the fact that he didn't ask me for any money, I said, that's why I want to give him some. And so, <laughs> so she said, well, I, hey, I'm in. I, I think that's awesome. Well, then she was like, well, how much? And I thought, well, that's a really good question. How much? And I said, well, Matthew 28, going to the whole world. Of course, this is our conversation in the pew. Preach the good news to the whole creation. I said, then the next thing that happened, Peter shares Jesus, and 3,000 respond. So I say, that way if he says, why 3,000, I can say, Acts 2 and, you know, 40. Hey, let's start here and see where we go. <laughs> so I'm not bragging that I gave, but in my mind, I heard something, that it, and I heard the guy preach Jesus, and those those two things connected with me. And I thought, here's an opportunity to do something, to gain a friend. And of course, eventually, years later, I went with him to Greece. But so, so I said, I just walked down there. As soon as he come down, he sat down. I just walked, sat right beside him. I said, I'm Jace Robertson. He said, I know who you are. I said, yeah, but I don't know you. I said, but after what I heard, I'm, I'm proud to meet you. And I want to, my wife and I want to support your ministry. He was surprised when he, let's, let's take a break. So there's an organization out there that still backs Obamacare, gun control, extreme transgender policies that are endangering our children. And they claim to be bipartisan, but the truth is that last year, 95% of their donations went to Democrats. This organization is called AARP. And I have to admit, I was shocked. I didn't know that much about them. Uh, but what I know now is that they don't represent the values of American seniors. Uh, there is a conservative alternative we're happy to announce. It's called AMAC, which is the Association of Mature American Citizens, which uh, all of uh, Dad, Jason, and I are all, uh, now we fit into that category. Uh, but AMAC uh, proudly champions Americans' rights to free speech, religious liberty, and the Second Amendment. They're the leading conservative advocacy and benefits organization. They defend parent rights. They protect our children. And they're also fighting to restore America's election integrity, which we love. Uh, they're also pushing back against efforts to defund police, weaken borders, and corrupt our youth. They've got over 2 million members nationwide. 
uh, they're pro-faith, they're pro-family, and they're pro-freedom. But they can't do it alone. So a join what they're trying to do. Uh, that's what we've done. Uh, it gives you access to special low rates on cell phones and plans, health, wellness products, travel, lodging, vision, dental, prescription drugs. So join today. Let's send AARP a strong message that they don't represent conservative seniors. Join AMAC at amacamac.us slash unashamed. That's amac.us forward slash unashamed. Why didn't you? Why didn't you read? Why didn't you? Uh, what you should have thought about Exodus twelve. Uh oh. Thirty seven and thirty eight. I finally do a random act of kindness, <laughs> something I'm proud of, and now I'm getting rebuked because my method was lacking. All right, go now ahead. I want to hear this verse because I have a feeling it's going to have some more zeros on it. Then the children of Israel journeyed from Ramsey to Sukkoth, about six hundred thousand men on foot, besides children. <laughs> Uh, so let me let me tell the good ones. Zach. So let me tell. So the first time I met Larry Bowes, and I think you were there, Jay. So I didn't know that story, but it was probably later than that because he was at WFR. We were in the main room, and he was teaching like a combined Bible class. It wasn't a sermon; it was a Bible class. And I'd never met him. I'd heard stories about him. I knew what he was doing. I was kind of impressed with him without having met him. And so I'm sitting there and he gets up and I'm kind of, you know, I, I love listening to people teach, but I, I mean, I've heard a lot of classes, you know, through the years. Well, he starts into the deity of Jesus. And in five minutes, I'm captivated. <clears throat> so I pull out my notebook and like I typically do, I start feverishly taking notes because I'm like, we need to do this on the podcast because this is some of the best stuff I've ever heard in the deity of Jesus. And then he explained even why he, teaches that in particular because how it impacts uh, the Muslim world is establishing Jesus as the son of God, because, you know, we have a shared history up until, you know, Abraham with these guys. So it's really interesting. But so I was so super impressed by his teaching ability that I began from that day to work in the process of having him more, which is what we have now. And also yeah. podcast contributor. So it was his, it was his, it was his theological approach, Jace, that got me. And of course, we've been supporting him too. And by the way, there's a bunch of you out there in Unashamed mm -hmm. Nation because he told me every time he comes on, and he doesn't ask for money from you guys either, but that you always seem to find a way to contribute to what they're doing. So we appreciate you for doing that. Yeah. And I wasn't trying to brag, but I was just trying to bring this point home in a practical way. I mean, when you look around, even what's going on uh, in Israel today and you know, radical Islam is at war, you know, with the people of Israel. And, you know, here's a guy down where he's dealing with all these refugees and the consequences of these kind of radical movements that are trying to kill anybody that's a Christian or kill anybody who's not with them. And all these thousands of people are pouring out of these countries well here's a guy down here from oklahoma who's a fireman and trust me i when i went to athens greece it's anything but comfortable i mean it is a overpopulated dirty big city for a guy who's a country guy who's a hundred percent just doing that and risking his life for the sake of jesus and to try you know the best way to combat these kind of radical ideologies is to share jesus and convert them and look they're converting them by the you know tons 
And so I just really appreciate something like that, and I want to put my money behind it because to me that's an that's something that's eternal that that he's doing. And uh, I think you know, in a, in a small way, it's a reflection what Jesus is saying because even in you know in worldly environments, if you can gain friends and gain trust and use those kind of ventures where money is involved or whatever to try to make inroads into the kingdom and expand the kingdom and do something about the spiritual forces of evil at the same time. These are things I want to use my money for. Yeah. Now that's a actually a great illustration and it is exactly where we are in this context because that's the point Jesus is making. You can't in the key word there, he says it twice in verse 13 is you can't serve. You can't serve two masters. You can't serve God and money. So the question then is that he's again, remember, it starts out. He says he's saying this to his disciples. So he's telling them you can't be dual. You can't be double minded was the way James put it. James 1, 8, James 4, 8. He said you have to be singular minded on what you're going to do. And money is just a means, as you said, Jay, to advance kingdom mindset and kingdom thoughts. I mean, that has to kind of uh, us as disciples. So here's where we got to in the text, which will lead into what we're going to be talking about today. We get to verse 14. And so the Pharisees are listening. He's not talking to them, although to dad's point earlier, it could be a directional dialogue moment because he knows they're listening. And so they immediately take offense because he's talking about them in sort of the negative way, at least from their perspective, it says the Pharisees who love money. And I can't help but think about Paul in first Timothy six, when he says the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. The Pharisees who love money heard all this and were sneering at Jesus. And that, that Greek word there for sneering means to turn your nose up. It's a look of like, disdain. And so that's what they had for him when he makes this concept about money. And so, Jay, you made this point in the last podcast. It obviously there's a link to the Pharisees about their view of money, which is very different than what Jesus let out. And you, and you articulated it well. They thought that when you had a lot of money, that meant you were super duper spiritual because God was just pouring it on you. Whereas this poor person over here, the reason they're poor and don't have anything is because they're cursed by God. They'll never have anything. That was their mindset as they viewed the world around them. So let me read this other verse, and then that's going to set us up into why he comes up with kind of a strange interjection of a couple of things he does later. He says to them, to the response here, to the sneering. Now, remember, that's the, the wrinkled, crinkle nose. You are the ones who justify yourselves in the eyes of men. But God knows your hearts. What is highly valued among men is detestable in God's sight. So I think he's taken on that exact notion that you mentioned. And so then in the next context, he's going to deal with what they really believe and why that they do what they do. Let's take a break. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like what 1 John 2.15 says. I mean, we keep getting into this same principle are you obsessed with the temporary joys of life the deceitfulness of wealth you remember the the uh, parable of the sower that third heart these things choke it and make it unfruitful 
but we don't recognize it because we, in our human minds, are thinking, oh, boy, God thinks I'm one of the special ones or I wouldn't be so successful. Or you've just attached yourself from God and think you are a God. And because really kingdom, I mean, what does that mean? It means where the king is reigning. And so it's like for a practical illustration, if someone comes into your personal kingdom and you know, you, you, you come home and there's someone in your house that you didn't invite and they're rummaging through your stuff, well, what happens? There's an altercation here because they have entered your domain without permission and they're that they're dealing with stuff and taking stuff that doesn't belong to them. Just like, you know, if somebody grabs a woman's purse, what are you doing? That that's mine. This is my this is my kingdom. So you have a choice to make that illustration from a spiritual way to think this is all yours or to look at it, you know, God's given us everything to go back to that quote from Luke 15 what he told the older older brother. He's like I I was I was giving you everything and you don't realize it because you think it's somehow yours. And so that's how we got to view God as far as the heavenly. And if you, if I read this first John two fifteen, it explains it where it says, don't love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the father is not in him. for everything in the world, the cravings of sinful man, the lust of his eyes, and then in this case, this third one, the boasting of what he has and does comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but the man who does the will of God lives forever. So basically, yeah. you see that you're using the stuff of the world for things that will last forever. I did note one thing. I've been poor. I mean, just, I mean, poor for about half my life, and I've been rich on the other half. We weren't, weren't like uh, down to without food, but, but you know, you're, I'm commercial fishing, 30 cents a pound on the buffalo and the goo and gar, and 70 cents a pound on the catfish. You got to catch a lot of fish. Said seventy dollars a tub full. So, at the time, I didn't think we were poor. We were, we were eating. We ate a lot of fish, but but who were you really? But who were you in that moment of your life? Who were you really trusting in above all else? Oh, I trusted the Almighty. You said it a thousand times, and but I did. That makes wife. it. He makes a beautiful point because his kingdom mindset never changed. No. Whether he had the little or the lot. Dad, you're this exactly the same. You're still living in the same house. You're still right by that same river. It does, it's other than the menu, it as you say. It, it doesn't seem a lot different. I think that if you read kind of this underlying thing, Jason, great, great uh, parallel. And was it John 2 you read? Yeah, First John 2. First John two, that was great. But yeah, I was thinking, I was thinking what Paul said in Romans one, kind of the same thing that you, the issue that they had was that they were focusing on the things that were created rather than the one who created them. So you think about in the context of these Pharisees, 
I mean, he's really kind of addressing legalism here, which is mm-hmm. really what is legalism? Legalism, all it really is, I mean, you can say it's a, trying to earn favor with God through some legal mean or performance-based metrics or whatever. But really what legalism is and what the way it manifested itself in the Pharisees is that it was it was an emphasis on the superficial instead of what what was underlying the superficial it's it, we're going to give the appearance so the the the, the surface layer is going to look holy but really we're just whitewashed tombs we're we're not actually holy and that's why when you cuz you think about like this whole, whole thing here about this uh, verse and this about marriage I'm like where did that come from i mean it kind of looks like out of context when he just randomly throws in this oh by the way you know uh, what's the verse say right after that? So, yeah, let me read it because it's in context to your point, Zach, it makes perfect sense. If you, if you aim this at being double minded, he says, he follows up that thing about them justifying themselves by saying it this way. The law and the prophets were proclaimed until John. So he's talking about John the Baptist. Since that time, the good news of the kingdom is being preached. And everyone is forcing his way into it. And I think he's talking about all these new people that are coming into the kingdom. So he's just done a huge thing right there. He's given them two eras, the era of everything before John the Baptist came, and now the era of everything that's coming next. And then he makes a point. It is easier for heaven and earth to disappear than for the least stroke of a pen to drop out of the law. So they've been rejectors of law from early, early on. Because remember, I told you, these Pharisees go back 700 years. Anyone, and then he brings up divorce and marriage as his illustration. Anyone who divorces his wife and marries another woman commits adultery. And the man who marries a divorced woman uh, commits adultery. And so he's, yeah. he makes a point with but that why, particular but, but principle. Think about why that point. That point is because that's the one that they would. That was the that was the one they were all violating. Basically, that was exactly. the one that was just oh, we overlooked that. I think it's a mistake to read some of this stuff. Is uh, I, I, I say it's a mistake to read it only as hey, what is what does the Bible say about divorce and remarriage? And then we go to a verse like this, and we make a whole like like doctrinal point out of it. You're, right. We're missing what he's doing here. That that's not this isn't. I don't think this is Jesus giving us instructions about marriage. I think what this is is him taking something that he knew these people had put all their hope on the mm-hmm. on keeping the law superficially. Right. And and what he's saying is you're not even doing that. <laughs> I mean, like you're you people, you're the ones that are divorcing your you're just throwing your wives away as soon as you find another woman and like and he so he's just up in the ante. He's just saying you're not even you're not even keeping the law, first of all. Like you come in here with your with your superficial uh holiness and even even that you're not doing, and I think it's indicative that the law, uh, or I should say legalism, uh, in the superficial mode of, of attaining righteousness, will never it will never do anything to restrain the flesh. It just will not work, and that, I think that's why Jesus is talking about a different kingdom here. And he's not, he's saying that what you guys are doing, that's not the king. The kingdom of God is not a surface, superficial virtue signaling. Let me look holy in front of everybody else, which you're not even going to do that. He said it is much deeper. God wants uh, to transform you into the image of the son. Going back to a couple podcasts ago, that's, that's the thing he's, he's building towards that. And he's showing the futility of the superficial legalism that was so indicative and characteristic of the of the Pharisees.
Jesus acknowledged on the Pharisees, uh, you know, in the passage we read earlier in Luke, where he said, you give a tenth of everything you have, but then, then he, like, criticizes yeah. their justification because under the Old Testament system, that was the norm. You gave a tenth yep. of what you have, which is, when you think about it, a pretty good deal from a godly perspective. If God gave you everything and he's asking for a tenth, well, if you had that business transaction you know, I, I wouldn't mind that with the federal government if they just said everybody gives, you know, who's making whatever over $50,000, they give a tenth. Well, they might sign up for that twice on Sunday, you know. So it's not not like he was asking for the moon. That's right. But they were even taking that and using it as a way to justify themselves and then taking the 90% and wasn't using it for godly things, but to make themselves, you know, look good. But I thought of a practical illustration. You took off from high school, basically, there, and you get married. I mean, you're giving, in their case, it, it could still be going down. Well, exactly. I mean, they were just, they were just working it. They were working it. And so it made me think of the, I, I've shared this before, but, you know, I, I know a few major league baseball players and uh you know willie knows a bunch of them and just from our show and being famous and you meet major league baseball players who duck hunt and, but somewhere in there one of the players said that and he was kind of asking me you know and i forgot what the percentage was but it was like 80 90 percent of the major league baseball players once they retire their wife leaves them and he was like, you know, I just can't figure it out. And I'm like, well, I can figure it out. The well has stopped the the money because <laughs> then you get a divorce, get the, half. The money's gone and so is your woman. Once the money stops coming in, you're like, okay, well, now we can end this charade and give me half and I'll move on and you, you can go find somebody else, which, which just shows you the arrangement that your marriage was in. It was more about money. I mean, the money came first than the relationship. And in a weird way, when I read this, I say, I, you know, I see what Jesus's point was here. That and, and another thing, Jace, the 100% truism about divorce is divorce is far more expensive than marriage. Because the more you break down what you have into then two and then sometimes four and keep going, trust me, the money runs out much quicker. You know, people say divorce, you know, yeah, well, I had to get divorced. You know, we, it was a financial decision, but it was a poor one because it's always more expensive, which, by the way, goes back to the principle. I want to read this a couple of passages before we get to overtime, because we're going to flesh this out some more of why Luke brings it up in this particular uh, instance like he does. And it does seem rather random, as we said, but it's really not. So I want to read two passages out of Matthew 5, because what Luke did was he took a couple of principles from the Sermon on the Mount, and he sticks them in here. And I think Zach's right on the money about why he does it with the Pharisees and their legalism. But here's what he said in Matthew 5, 17. This is the same thing that Luke is quoting, but but it's a little bigger context, so it helps you understand a little bit better. In verse 17, he said, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law 
or the prophets, which is what he says in the Luke's version too. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. So you so you get the idea here. The double-mindedness is a rejection of who Jesus is. That's why they're rejecting the kingdom. I tell you the truth, unless heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen with any uh, will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. What's he talking about? He's talking about him accomplishing it. Anyone who breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. So he's talking about this duality again with the Pharisees. For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees, so he's going to directly approach him in Matthew, and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of God. Now, that's pretty clear. And pretty plain yeah. as as to what he's talking about here in this double mindedness. And interestingly, in the same sermon over in five thirty one, he brings up marriage and divorce. He said it has been said anyone who divorces his wife must give her a certificate of divorce. And we'll get into that in the overtime why he said that. But I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife and he brings in except for marital unfaithfulness causes her to become an adulteress. And anyone who marries the divorced woman commits adultery. So Matthew is bringing up the same concept that Luke does. But remember of why he's bringing it up, which I think makes a lot more sense that, as we said, it's not the topic is not marriage and divorce. It just fits into that because of their misunderstanding of kingdom and their misunderstanding now fulfillment of law and prophecy. Yeah, I agree. That is the context. But I do think, you know, because everybody, when they read this, they they start asking questions. Well, what does he mean? And so I think we can spend maybe the next podcast talking about that. Uh, I I, I just listened to a really good sermon on this. And because a lot of people, there's so many questions that come up. And look, let's face it, divorce is always terrible. Yeah, it it it's just we've all worked with people going through that process, and to say that it's difficult is would be an under understatement. And you have so many circumstances that come in, and there's so many questions. But I do believe Jesus does set a standard here that's going back to the creation itself about marriage, yeah. and the Pharisees were following all the rest of the law in their minds to the letter. But on this one, they had erred on the side of it was no big deal. And so he basically caught them in their own deceit. Right. They had a love problem, but it wasn't because they didn't love money. Well, yeah, they didn't (laughs) love the father, which is what Jesus was introducing. Their woman... I'm not sure they were really lo- loving the girl. No, they, they were, no, they they were they sending weren't. them off for every reason. You got to remember, in this culture, a woman just didn't have any kind of rights whatsoever, and they were treated terribly. Yeah. And, and that's the heart of it. Yeah, they were discarded for any and every reason, which made them really vulnerable, which is why that's Paul right. addresses a lot of that in yep. First Corinthians. And it's also why Moses... Uh, came up with this to begin with but we'll talk about that in the overtime as well as the next podcast so uh if you want to follow us over to our overtime segment to hear more about this blaze tv.com slash unashamed is where we'll be see you then thanks for listening to the unashamed podcast 
Help us out by rating us on iTunes. And don't miss an episode by subscribing on YouTube and be sure to click that little bell to get notified about new episodes. And for even more content that you won't get anywhere else, subscribe to Blaze TV at blazetv.com slash unashamed.